Fördomen har alltid sin rot i vardagslivet. Den gror på arbetsplatsen och i grannkvarteret. Den är ett utlopp för egna misslyckanden och besvikelser. Den är framförallt ett uttryck för okunnighet och rädsla. Okunnighet om andra människors särart. Rädsla för att förlora en position, ett socialt privilegium, en förhandsrätt. Welcome to Here There Be Dragons. This season, I'm taking you to Stockholm. I'm your host, Jess Myers. Episode 5, Segregation, Part 2. They said, like, Fitya was a danger zone, but to be honest, it's not anymore. I feel like it's, it's really welcoming. Everybody knows each other. It's like a family, like a one big community. I'm actually really happy how Fitya turned out in the end. Last episode, we learned about the expansion of Stockholm and the fate of the Millions program. If you didn't listen to episode four, go catch up. We'll wait. Wonderful. Before we get a in Sweden, quite lousy renovations. All caught up? Great. We learned about a few key concepts the design and planning of the Millions program, the increase of working class immigrants in Swedish cities, and the privatization of public housing. These conditions all wove together to create a situation where urban immigrant families were stuck living on Stockholm's periphery, in housing that was aging and coming apart. We're going to pick up where we left off, exploring what Carlos said at the end of episode four. How a building becomes an idea, right? There was a moment in which uh, specific kinds of buildings were associated with specific kinds of neighborhoods, and those neighborhoods were associated with certain kinds of attitudes or specific groups of people that were living there, and that was associated negatively uh, for society. And that was part of media, that was part of, uh, of, uh, of general cultural construct. Today we'll be talking about these neighborhoods. What started as the Millions program and are now what Stockholmers call Förorten. or the suburbs. It's F, then O with two dots, and then R, then it's O-R-T, that's Förort. The last part of it is ort. Far means pre, ort means place, so pre-town, basically. This seriously confused me at first because unlike the suburbs of New York or the banlieue of Paris, Stockholm's Faruten are still a part of the city. But the way residents talk about them, you would never know. In Sweden, when we say suburbs, we mean these majority immigrant uh, areas right outside of the city. Farort. Farort is the... The actual name, but what people nowadays say who are from these areas, we call it Utten, mm-hmm. which means like the place. Literally, a suburb in Swedish could also be any place that's out in the outer skirts of the city, right? But we, the majority of Sweden, calls these places Farut. That's where I'm from. Utten is the suburb, any the social economical suburb where a lot of us are like from different parts of the world. So Utten represents, uh, I would not say absolutely not ghetto, but like Utten works like 
the hood, kind of. The hood, almost. Similar to public housing blocks all over the world, the public sentiment about the Millions program became about more than the buildings themselves. It spilled over onto the housing residents, too, until the people and the problem became one and the same. And that's how Sweden and its social welfare policies got swept up into debates in the West about who deserves what in a multicultural society. Many right-wing pundits, both within Sweden and outside of it, criticized Sweden's previous openness to immigrants, refugees, and asylum seekers. Do you remember in 2015 when Fox News aired a report on no-go zones? Known officially as sensitive urban zones, blighted areas intended to receive economic aid, but known informally as no-go zones. No-go zones? No-go areas. No-go zones. It pushed the idea that there were neighborhoods in Europe that non-Muslims dared not to go. Now, while Fox News ended up retracting these statements a correction now, because of the various of lawsuits, week, we have made some regrettable errors on air regarding the, the idea and the language stuck. I've heard it repeated by many Europeans ever since trying to describe areas where a lot of immigrant families live, areas like the Millions Program neighborhoods. Here's Vanessa. She's a sociologist teaching at Stockholm University. In the Swedish popular imagination and media were, were conceived as really separate areas. Um, and if you get a chance to take the subway here, you should go from the central station to Husby. Just see how long that takes you. It'll take you 20 minutes. But the way that people talk about it is if it's a foreign country. Any crime that happens in these areas is reported on with heightened fervor. Any group of boys by a train stop becomes a reason for suspicion. These media representations from news to pop music shapes many Stockholmers' perceptions of these neighborhoods and makes them somehow separate from and threatening to the mainstream image of Stockholm. Here's Nazem. He's a senior lecturer in political science at Malmö University. I think most people, you know, when choosing housing, also reflect upon what is my place in the social hierarchy and where do I want to be and where am I? You know, what kind of choices do I have? Especially if you're an immigrant in Sweden today, you're associated with living in these kind of, uh, you know, large-scale housing project areas, which generally in in uh, in everyday language are not considered as good areas. They're stigmatized. So uh, if you say that you live in one of these, you know, outskirt peripheral areas, people will perhaps... At sentence number four, ask, why do you live here? Uh, despite all this, of course, uh, if you have to choose and you have no choice, you can settle there. You would hear so much about certain suburbs of Stockholm. And those places like Tianstad, Rinkeby, Husby, Alby, Hesselby. Places, yeah, I wouldn't, like I would probably be a little bit scared because 
they would have like a bad reputation. Isn't it dangerous? Why do you even live there? Mostly they warned me about violence. Violence that uh, you read on the news over there and yeah, and all all the prejudice that comes from when it's that um, kind of segregated areas. It's the, the old myths like you, you shouldn't wear expensive clothes or jewelry or have expensive things because you get robbed. And if you go there and they see that you don't belong, they will immediately suspect you and ask you why you're there. Isn't it dangerous that your children come to like blend up with a gang or something? Isn't it dangerous? Is it not dangerous? I was from Spanja and then going to Tensta Rinkeby has a totally different flavor. Mm. I felt fairly at home there and uh, being half Swedish, half Arabic, I could sort of, you know, I don't know. I felt I could blend in or whatever, but I still looked like a very ethnically Swedish person. Somehow. Anyway, I felt safe there, but I guess I didn't feel like a local. I felt like a visitor and it felt way more unsafe or scary or exciting than my own neighborhood. And then, I mean, there are places you just simply don't want to walk around like late at night. And it's... Um, I don't know, like I've I've been at Farsta a lot because uh, my boyfriend lived there. And uh, I mean, that's a place that like, I really like Farsta. It's a nice area. But like late at night, I wouldn't really want to walk around there like alone as a girl. Isn't it dangerous? Aren't you worried that your kids will get mixed up in a gang or something? You might notice that for a podcast about fear and insecurity, we talk a lot more about housing, assimilation and city planning than we do about violent crime. And while there is crime and gang activity in the Farutan, this is not where all the crime in the city occurs. As you can probably recall from episode two when we were talking about Gamlestan, an island in the exact center of the city. In the late 80s, early 90s, Gamlestan was not a place where you would go at night because there was a lot of Nazis. Insecurity is about far more than just violence. It's also about the rumors of violence or of difference or of hostility. It's about the media sources and cultural tropes that trade on those rumors. I mean, will Latina barns go to school there? I wouldn't. These are the influences that inspire the gut-tightening reaction when we find ourselves alone at night, surrounded by the unfamiliar, surroundings that we associate with people who aren't like us. But when those rumors are the loudest influence, how much of our cities become invisible and inaccessible to us? Why do you even live there? Many Stockholmers who live outside of Farutan must contend with this image of otherness in order to cross the city's mental divide. As being brought up in the suburbs, I usually feel very comfortable, or I, I actually really like suburbs. So going out to any, almost any suburbs where I don't, would necessarily feel completely lost, I would feel a certain kind of um, familiarity or a nice feeling to it. But then obviously I think as Stockholm has become so segregated, I think we see another problem today that you would 
feel that you don't belong in certain areas because you're basically white, middle-aged, maybe even a man. So I could actually feel sometimes a bit uncomfortable in in this sense. Um, not that people would kind of uh, approach me or harass me in any way. I've, to be really honest, I've never experienced that. I'm not a scared person. But I might feel like I'm sometimes almost intruding. And that, of course, not it's not kind of comfortable. Would the people in the place accept you? So, for example, the areas that I talked talked about earlier, like the Stansstad, Inkibi uh, and Husby, it's mostly places where uh, people who came to Sweden from other countries settled down and remained clustered and isolated. So I can also understand that for someone like me, who came also from another country, that maybe these people would accept me uh, more easily than someone who comes from a rich background of a villa of, of a Swedish suburb who has all his family and ancestry from there. Because the people in, in, in these areas of Rinkibi and Tensta, for example, feel that they share more with me in terms of, of their original cultures, in terms of the way how you are coming to the Swedish society, of the way how you are living here, of the way that you have lived somewhere before and you try to integrate. So you have more subjects to discuss. I came in in a very, very, let's say, protected environment. I was international student studying at the KTH. So most of the people I knew were not even Swedish. They were international like me. So we, we had a very, like we were kind of living in a bubble. Uh, the only information I got about uh, all these areas where not to go and etc. was not from people, it was mostly from the media. I'm, I'm talking about my first years. En uh, stor polisinsats har under natten pågått i Tensta i västra Stockholm. So for example I was seeing in the news that there were some areas where cars were burned and it's so dangerous. It's along the blue line, if you know these areas called Rinkeby and Tensta. Uh, so it's mostly exactly what you, where you're showing. And I was not worried when I heard about that because firstly I saw more and more dangerous things in my life. I was living in Morocco and in France but on the same time I was thinking yeah I have nothing to do there and I mean I should not be worried and it was just news. Later on I had the opportunity to go to that areas a lot. Uh, because first of all they sell they have a lot of shops that sell uh, things from the Middle East so when I was missing any cookies or anything I wanted to go and, and buy there and secondly because when I was a student I had a student work that was about uh, helping students in their uh, curriculum but then when I went there yes my perception was that it's uh, an area where uh, there is marginalization this is correct. It's an area that was left to itself. This is also correct. People are angry. People are not happy. Most of people there are from immigrant background. There is discrimination. If you live there and you write it in your CV, the employer will not uh, hire you just because of that, even if you have the best qualification. All this is correct. Uh, but my perception, if you would ask me, like, will you go to the area? Yes, definitely. Okay, so we've done a lot of talking about Farutin. Let's do a little bit more talking to Farutin, or to the residents, I mean. Where's Breding? Breding is here. And this, oh, this is also an interesting, this is like one of the most interesting divides, because mm. Breding is a 
million program area, you always notice how like white people get off here and then <laughs> people of colors that continue on the line. For me, it's I realized when I moved uh, from the city, I just lived, I think, two years in the city to Briadeng, where I live now. I felt at home like I, you know, like the the vegetable market on the square or just seeing people like getting cheap food and food from all over the world, you know, uh, meeting people who speak different languages, you know, that that makes me feel at home. That's where I'm from. I knew the minute I moved to Hesebi and then you go to other so-called Faruter as well and you see just people of color, you see more black people, you see the diverse aspect of it. You see the stores that are like, you know, Arabic and sell food from, you know, Ethiopia, Somalia and whatever. You can't, it, those things speak to you that these are where we belong, but we live. You know, you kind of knew these suburbs are go zones of like, you know, when we want to buy stuff we cannot find in the city, but there are maybe things from our home countries, you know. <laughs> so you go to Tensta and you buy like, tons of things from like, you know, Kurdistan or whatever, like you just, so it was kind of these elements made these areas because it is created by people. It is created, you know, out of necessity. It is created by, you know, um, where to find just everything from grocery to uh, <laughs> cheap grocery <laughs> to like, you know, anything that is connected to our uh, heritage or where we come from you know our areas are described in the media like as no-go zones literally and there is really like a no-go zone list made by politicians and the police departments and we're like well, hold on i literally grew up there what do you mean no-go zone and like what do you understand about this area so that verbalization that need to talk about our areas comes from our like you know our understanding that we are from there this this unspoken like hood language existed amongst us one of the things we did while in stockholm was loiter around in community centers in the city i spent a january afternoon in the southern neighborhood of fitia at Kunsthal. we are at uh Kunsthal in fitia it's the uh, municipal, that's a difficult word that I hate. Uh, anyway, um, um, art gallery, art space for the Bouchika, uh municipal space. And it's also partly a library for the community. There I got to hang out with Philip and Jasmine, two of the gallery assistants. Heads up, the sound is a little bit different here. We're in the middle of the gallery, which is filled with some very excited preteen girls in a youth program. Here's Jasmine. She lives a couple of blocks away. I wouldn't say there is a place that made me stressed, but I would say there's places that doesn't make me feel like home and places that I feel like I am foreign or that I am not looking like the people around the area or not in the same status. The only place that I like is Fetia because it's the only like place that I feel like home because I lived here since I was four. It's the childhood place for me. And um, as a person who have 
parents from Egypt and live in Sweden and never find a place to be like, oh, I come from here. Because when I go to Egypt, it's like, oh, you're Swedish. And I'm, when I'm here, I'm Egyptian. So it's, it's like the only place I feel, okay, this is home. I belong here. It's different people here like me that feel the same way, that doesn't know where to be fitted. As a kid, the place that you shouldn't go was the place I live at. You should be home early because this and that, you know, like um, be careful or like stuff like that. It was a little bit wilder in my area before, but now it's better. What kind of things made it wild? Shootings, guys uh, who sell drugs, uh, stand in my uh, entrance at at my entrance at home. We could stand there and smoke. And it was never like something I was scared of because it's always was between the guys. It was never between the people. So that's the only thing. And when I go home, I always knew that if I needed help or needed something, I could ask these guys because they was there. But it wasn't something good, obviously, to grow up with. But yeah, I would say that's the, that was the, my environment wasn't safe in Fitya. But then it got safe. But I think it's something that you build up in your head, but nothing happens in real life. But I feel confident here in Fitya because it's home. As Jasmine said, the Farden is changing, and in that way it's no different from the rest of Stockholm. The city center is getting more and more expensive. The places families used to be able to afford are no longer within reach, so now Stockholmers are looking further and further out to find a place to live. But what does that mean for the current residents of Farutan? Will their neighborhoods change? And will they be included in those changes? For Nazem, to do right by these residents means going back to the foundational values of the Millions program. The good aspect of it was that it was an idea of distributive justice and kind of like justice uh, applied to housing and living environments, which was like a moral foundation of why we need to do this. Like the idea of housing as a right, the idea of, you know, human well-being based on generous, good, sound environments, you know, uh, space, light, uh, infrastructure, service, these kind of, you know, amenities, which I think most people would agree that I would like these kind of, you know, things where I live. And, and it was, you know, targeted to working class and middle class. So people who didn't own too much resources was the, the target of these uh, housing projects, which was, you know, the good side. But I was going to mention this ort and the hood. You know, I don't know if you possibly have taken part of the idea of the Million Programmet why the Stockholm, you know, the buildings are the way they are built in certain areas is the beautiful idea from the beginning to give people housing, that everybody should have housing, affordable housing. It was also like another political 
climate then. It's like, oh, you want to work in the city, you're moving to Stockholm, you should have an affordable house. There should be a communication. So they built, you know, the subway, extended it. So the segregation of Stockholm and the hoods, uh, the Färutena, was never meant to be segregated in that way, but it became that way. And then the white inner cities never, ever encounter within the suburbs. A, they don't have to because they never <laughs> come to the areas. But also like the narrative around segregation in Stockholm is that it's always people of color who are expected to do the work of uh, being integrated. When they talk about integration, it was it's, it's so fascinating to me. Like there are no more segregated people than white people to me. I think there are the most segregated people are white people. I mean, if you go to these suburbs, I mean, we're the most integrated. Like, there, it's like this melt pot of beautiful things. I mean, if you go to Tensta or Husby or on the red lines to Fitia, whatever, you get to see a bit of the world. You know, people who have moved here and made lives for themselves with each other in these areas and live these lives and then are now called, oh, you guys are segregated for yourselves. It's like... What is this nonsense about? You know, Stockholm to me is super segregated because white people are segregated, not black or POC people are segregated. We are not. As I said previously, I grew up within the whole world. When we talk about segregation, it's important to be clear about who is separated from what. The residents of the Farutin are separated from the resources of the city center, but they're never far from diverse Stockholm experiences. To live in Tiensta or Fitya or Hwarholmen or Hesselby is to be surrounded by the world. Walking down the subway platform, you can hear Farsi, Amharic, Spanish, Arabic, Turkish, French, Somali, Kurdish, or Serbian, all describing lives in Stockholm. The feeling of exclusion or insularity that have become the cornerstone of the segregation conversation in Stockholm is a two-way street. Just as city center residents may feel that there is a culture at play in the Far Uten that excludes them, Far Uten residents find themselves excluded from the center. But for these residents, finding the code for access to the center is a part of a crucial daily struggle. We will explore these codes a bit further in the next episode on Norms. We are produced with the generous support of the Graham Foundation for Advanced Studies in the Fine Arts and Konstnaushnamdem, the Swedish Arts Grants Committee. Thank you to our senior producer, Adelie Pajman-Ponte, and our team of graduate assistants from the Architecture Department at the Rhode Island School of Design. Kimberly Ayala Nahira. Bilal Ismail Ahmad. Daniel Guerrero. Uthman Aloa. Batu Kamara consults for the show, Corey Jacobs does the music, and Adrian Lilly is our sound designer. If you're not a Patreon subscriber yet, what are you waiting for? Support your friendly neighborhood urbanism podcast and get beautiful stickers as well as an exclusive series of mini episodes spotlighting stories that we can't fit in the show. If you talk about ethnic identity, then you're putting that on somebody. You're talking about like a racialization rather than the idea that somehow people can have multiple identities. Sign up on our Patreon in the show notes and thank you to all of our current supporters. If you still can't get enough of us, follow us on social media at dragons underscore podcast or check out our website and newsletter. 
All of these are full of really fun content like readings, maps, and videos. If you have a comment or a question, record it and send it to us at htbdpodcast at gmail.com. You may end up on the show. And lastly, but certainly not least, please rate and review us five shining stars wherever you stream the show. Until next time, this has been Here There Be Dragons. Prejudice is always resilient. It grows in the workplace and in the neighborhood. It gives vent to one's own failures and disappointments. Above all, it's an expression of ignorance and fear. Ignorance regarding other people's uniqueness, fear of losing a position, a social privilege, and prior rights. Of course, skin color, race, language and birthplace have nothing to do with qualities.